You're in the water loop. Welcome to Waterloop, the podcast that explores solutions for sustainability and equity in water. I'm the host, Travis Loop. This is episode number 210, A Rise in Corporate Responsibility. Sustainability is now a pivotal concern in the realm of corporate responsibility, pushing companies to integrate environmentally beneficial practices into their core strategies. This shift is particularly evident in the growing focus on water stewardship and the adoption of environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, criteria, highlighting how businesses are increasingly held accountable for their efforts. In this episode, a discussion with Emilio Tenuta, Chief Sustainability Officer at Ecolab, explores the evolution of corporate responsibility and water stewardship. Emilio delves into the significance of water management within corporate ESG strategies, shedding light on the multifaceted benefits of environmental stewardship for business. He also talks about consumer influence on corporate sustainability, innovative water resilience projects, and collaborative initiatives involving some of the world's leading companies. You're in the water loop. Emilio, so happy to have you on the podcast. Really wanted to talk about kind of corporate responsibility, corporate stewardship for a long time. You are an excellent person to have this conversation with. So thanks for coming on. Great to be with you, Travis. Thanks thanks for having us. So let before we really dig into some some issues, water issues and so forth and uh, get down in the details. That that phrase corporate responsibility um, especially when it comes to water sustainability. What, what does that mean big picture? So corporate responsibility in the context of water sustainability refers to a business commitment to minimizing um, the negative impact on water resources and, and for water users and maximizing the positive contributions. And it goes beyond compliance with basic regulations and involves really actively managing water use um, as well as discharge or wastewater as people would refer to it and really engaging engaging with communities and ecosystems that impact that, that they impact and so you know when i think of the principles of water stewardship water is a shared resource and many stakeholders are dependent on that water you have agriculture you have industry you have communities uh, as a as a you know precious and scarce resource, this is important to really think about and having that kind of mind shift in terms of the way we think about water. The concept of stewardship is all about taking care of something that we don't own. Mm. And here's in my mind how companies can approach water sustainability authentically. It comes from you know alignment with the company's core values aligning with, you know, water sustainability efforts within the company's overall, you know, mission and values, not just seen as a separate initiative. Um, it's, it's about integrating it into the strategy, uh, embedding water stewardship into business decisions, um, product design, uh, and, and not just treat it as, you know, kind of a, uh, an add-on or a marketing tool. And then long-term, I think, demonstrating a sustained commitment to water sustainability beyond the short-term gains 
when you know we need it and it's it's uh, perhaps we're in a drought and then once the drought is over we forget about it and i think the last point would be you know focusing on actions that genu- genuinely address water challenges and contribute to this positive change in the in in the basin that you're in yeah, that, that was uh, kind of part of my question, too. It was, was the authenticity piece. You know, you we've heard this phrase greenwashing for a long time, uh, whether that's about specific products or about even corporate sustainability and responsibility and stewardship. So really, could you could you kind of expand on that idea of authenticity uh, when this is when this is real? Yes, it is all about making water as an ingredient, a, cri- a critical ingredient, there's, there's really, I can't think of an industry that doesn't have water as a critical ingredient into their product or service, whether you're a hotel, which is obviously very dependent on water because of all the, you know, operations they've got, whether it be the, you know, the guest water experience, but also the on-premise laundry, the restaurants for full-service hotels, the pool and spa. So you can see the, the importance that has to a hotel. Or if you're in manufacturing and you're manufacturing, you know, uh, beverages, critical, obviously critical to that, but also in the case of data and data centers where water is a critical part of the ability for them to cool their servers. So in many ways, to be authentic about water is really saying that you're really just demonstrating that you know this focus on um, addressing the challenges, the shared water challenges, by the way, by the different stakeholders, is meaning that you actually have a corporate water strategy that cascades down to the local sites and focuses on especially the water-stressed areas where you're contributing more to the watershed than you're taking from it. ESG is an acronym that has skyrocketed to prominence in recent years. Uh, environmental social governance, right? Uh, could you explain what that means for folks and and how it's connected to corporate responsibility if they're one and the same? You know, just just what that looks like. Sure. So, as you might mention, ESG standing for environmental social govern governance. It, it, it's a framework used to assess a company's you know sustainability performance. Uh, water sustainability, I think falls under the environmental pillar, obviously, for ESG. And strong water management practices contributes to positively, you know, to a company's ESG rating. Uh, we, we, we see this. I, I speak to investors and I speak to the rating agencies all the time throughout the year. And, and it really, what I hear from them is this is how water sustainability and corporate responsibility really connect with ESG. Um, around the environment, obviously, it's you know pretty direct in terms of water, reducing water use, improve water quality, protecting water resources. That contributes to a healthier, healthier environment. Social, you know, you have your equitable access, you know, to clean, available water and sanitation that improves community well-being and social development. I think the the stat is that one in ten lacks access to clean available water, you know, for their everyday life. This is this is just unbelievable in 2024. Governance, um, 
strong water management policy is a really critical part, as well as practices to demonstrating responsible leadership and adherence to the regulations, but, but to be an advocate to also help shape the right policies as a water user to get involved and promote water stewardship within your, your watershed that you're operating in with others. And so therefore, I think, you know, using the authentic word again, authentic corporate water responsibility aligns with the strengthen, uh, aligns with and strengthens, I think, a company's ESG performance, which helps them demonstrate their commitment to sustainable practices. And again, goes back to that word of contributing a positive impact on the environment and society through water. You mentioned talking to the ratings agencies. So could you explain how that works? There's there's these agencies, these third parties out there that are evaluating how companies are doing on ESG and giving you like a score. And right. then that score is kind of publicly available or available to shareholders. Or How's that all work? So, so in many ways, whether it's Sustainalytics or MSCI, which we've been uh, we've been AAA now for over six years, uh, probably going into our seventh year now. There's a lot of um, work that goes into making sure that a company is able to disclose right the right information to the rating agencies as, and investors alike um, around their you know ESG practices within their company that that supports their corporate responsibility. A lot of it is on different channels like our website or our uh, corporate responsibility reports and 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 alike. The 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 one thing I've noticed is that that isn't necessarily enough because in some cases there's some interpretation that goes into this. And so being able to really connect with the rating agencies is important on an annual basis, even though they will be scraping data on you as a company related to your environmental, social, and governance, and in the the topic today, uh, water stewardship. I guess the one thing I'll say is it's not only about disclosure, it's also making sure that they have an accurate picture of performance. That at the end of the day, we want to be disclosing and being transparent, but it's also about making sure that we're performing year in, year out with our targets to achieving our long-term goals. I, I think and we all know about, you know, the the say-do gap that has been existing uh, over the last few years that is important for us as companies to really make sure that the performance aspect of it in terms of how our annual, you know, work leads to the achievement of the targets that we set that align with our glide path to our long-term goals. So much of the attention, big picture, is around climate change, uh, and you know, trying to get companies involved in addressing, you know, addressing climate change. Uh, very curious, you know, in your seat, in your role, uh, about kind of where water is positioned relative to climate when it comes to corporate, you know, responsibility, sustainability, and how that's trending, you know. Is it trending up? That's what 
I think a lot of us that are just just really exclusively in water, if you will, see that we're getting a little bit more attention uh, at that table. But what, what's your what's your uh, perception? Well, Travis, it's a great question because uh, water's position relative to climate change and the corporate responsibility and sustainability space is really intertwined and complex. Let's just put it that way. With water both impacting impacted by and impacting climate change. First, there's a there's an interdependence, right? So climate change can exacerbate water scarcity, rising temperatures, increase evaporation, changing precipitation patterns, um, you know, longer droughts, water stressed conditions, and so on. Water management can help mitigate that climate change effect, um, but sustainable water practices are are really needed, like reducing water water withdrawals and water you know demand and protecting the watersheds that can help conserve water resources and build resilience to the climate impacts, or as some of us call it, adaptation. Some water activities contribute to climate change. So water use and energy production, agriculture, and other sectors can lead to to greenhouse gas emissions. But here's the thing. As we position it in corporate responsibility and the work that we do, it's really, really important in growing. Water is increasingly recognized as a critical resource for business and communities, as we talked about, as a critical ingredient to all the things that we do. This awareness is driving companies to start to prioritize water sustainability in their corporate water and and responsibility strategies. So this convergence with climate action, that interconnectedness that we talked about for companies, to address water as part of the holistic strategy for them is important, but it's gotta it's gotta be part of their climate action plans, right? And there's there's a potential for leadership here. Um, companies who demonstrate strong water stewardship and sustainable water practices can gain a competitive advantage, I like to think, and strengthen their sustainability reputation, which is really important. And you know, I, I wanted to unpack this a little bit because taking action by leveraging, you know, proven technology and solutions that exist today to drive climate and water management is within the reach of companies. We don't have to go to the moon to 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 solve this one. And often, water is that forgotten piece of the climate puzzle. And whereas smart water technology exists today to enable industry to rethink the water cycle, you know, and so. One of the things that we often talk about at Ecolab, we found that more efficient water uh, management in, in, in manufacturing from the hundreds of water and energy surveys that we've done can reduce water consumption by up to 44%. And guess, get this, energy use by 20, 22% and, and greenhouse gas emissions by 12%. So we see this connection again between water and energy that can also help us achieve our climate goals and when we leverage the power of water to drive that opportunity it allows us to be more resilient in the face of climate change at the same time and so i think building our leadership also enables us to build trust with the stakeholders that we work with in our operations as we try to achieve our you know, annual targets leading to our long-term water and climate goals. 
Yeah. Well, I really like that point you made that a lot of the solutions for water are available now, right? When it comes to efficiency, conservation, cleaning it, whatever it might be, like that technology exists. So it's, it's kind of more solvable than the climate challenges are. Uh, and, but it's a, but it is, as you just described, a pathway to make progress on the climate front because of the way that they're linked. So yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Um, on the business side, so yes, do all these things because they're good for the planet, uh, because it's your kind of responsibility to do it. But when it comes down to that bottom line, I want to hear a little bit about um, you know, why it's good on that front. And when we spoke earlier, uh, I just want to tee this up. You used the, the, the phrase EROI. Um, which I hadn't heard and I absolutely love. So could you uh, address this question? Yes, absolutely, Travis. So spoiler alert for everyone, you know, water stewardship is good business. And we want to let's unpack that because, you know, we often talk about water stewardship can be beneficial for business in several ways, offering both what I call tangible, more to the EROI, which we'll talk about, but also intangible value. And so, you know, we often at Ecolab talk about our solutions just to use Ecolab as an example, where we help our customers achieve ambitious business operational and environmental goals. The three areas of business operational and environmental are very connected and they don't have to be mutually exclusive. And so for us, when we talk about the science and services and, and technologies that we bring to the table, we deliver this EROI or exponential return on investment that allows us to bring those three dimensions of business, operational, and environmental goals together, but be able to monetize that, very importantly, monetize those attributes and benefits that, that allows a business to understand that smart water management can deliver value and improve performance and operational efficiency while delivering a sustainable impact. And so, you know, again, the benefits that we talk about, so first, reduce costs. Reducing water use leads to lower water and energy costs. Oh, Ecolab has found that, that depending on the type of manufacturing, up to 75% of the energy use is driven by water systems in an, in an operation. That's huge. And so if you can lower your water use, you can reduce your energy. That also lowers your energy and water bills. And that can be significant depending on your type of operation. Min the second uh, is minimizing physical risk. We talked about the challenges of climate change. Effective water management helps mitigate those risks associated with water scarcity. And very importantly to a business, disruption and future regulatory changes, right? And so the other is, you know, if you can do that, it's also about enhancing resilience. And we can't underestimate that as in many ways, a tangible and intangible reward for smart water management, securing water access by engaging in water stewardship activities like, you know, nature-based solutions, which more and more companies are participating in, around watershed restoration and community partnerships that can help drive 
reliable water access, uh, even in times of droughts or water stress. Um, I would say that, you know, you and I talked about um, demonstrating sustainability, not only for, you know, communities and industry, but consumers and investors increasingly seek companies committed to responsible environmental practices. So there's this other benefit from a brand perspective that you're you're benefiting from, which showcases the company's commitment to sustainability and its public image uh, and brand value. Now, let's let's talk about this in terms of a an example. For for Ecolab, we work with you know across 44 different industries, and water is a primary threat across many of them, uh, not only for water but also for hygiene. So for we'll take an example. Vale Resorts. We worked with Vale, well, you know, uh, the big um, hospitality brand that we're all familiar with. They're a leading global mountain resort operator. Uh, they have a corporate responsibility platform called Epic Promise, and that's to achieve a zero net operating footprint by 2030 without compromising guest satisfaction, which the brand has been known for. And so Ecolab has partnered with Vail to really um, leverage solutions like, I'll just use Aquanomic, a on-premise laundry technology that uses 40% less water and less energy. That is an example of a technology that exists today. Smart power for wear washing in dish machines in the you know, full-service restaurant or the Cool, critical cooling systems that they've got to make sure that you know the the indoor environmental uh, experience is 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 really pleasant for those that are staying there. Ultimately, Vale Resorts was able to really achieve some significant outcomes from this partnership, and so in an, on an annualized basis, they saw 5.2 million gallons of water savings while avoiding 225 metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions. So remember the link between water and energy, obviously. But the best of all was saving 225,000 in uh, total value delivered, EROI, if you will, along the way. As you can see, this is a great example with Vail where water is a primary driver to also not only climate, but also the, the, the business performance, the guest experience, but also it's good for business. Yeah. Well, that's a terrific, that's a terrific example. Um, I'd love to get you just kind of explain uh, briefly here, E-R-O-I, just, just break down that term and summarize sure. what, that, what that means for folks. So absolutely. So, you know, <clears throat> clinically speaking, we often talk about that, uh, solutions like the ones we described for Vail uh, deliver business outcomes, which for a hotel, the guest experience is part of their business outcomes that they're seeking. Um, obviously, if you're if you're a large beverage company, a soft drink maker, you're going to, you know, food safety will be a critical part of their or a food processor, food safety be critical. So that's a business outcome dimension. Then there's the Operational efficiency, it's doing more with less. It's being able to drive quality. It's being able to drive reduced labor costs. You know, one of the largest 
cost components for a hotel is labor. And so doing more with less is big for them. The third level is environmental impact. And so that's around water, energy, greenhouse gas, and waste reduction. Whenever we go to see a customer at an operational level, our teams are trained to really focus on solutions but that deliver those three dimensions. And also to support how whatever the indicators are that we have to measure to monetize those to a number referred to as total value delivered. In the case of, of um, Vail, that was you know 225,000 in total value delivered. Now, EROI is a ratio, right? It is a financial ratio that we all are familiar with, the concept of ROI, return on investment. So for us, it's taking that total value delivered in the numerator, divided by the incremental investment, right, in the solution, will deliver a greater, we often say, greater than 25% EROI to that customer. So the concept of EROI is really germane to the way we approach our customers in really not only driving their business outcomes, but their operational performance and their sustainability goals. I am always very interested in the role that consumers play in driving uh, corporate responsibility, environmental initiatives, water stewardship. Um, I, you know, I feel like consumers have a lot of power uh, when, when in mass they decide that this is something they want. It seems like corporations respond once it reaches a certain level. Um, could you talk about the role that consumers are having these days in water sustainability uh, at the corporate level? Absolutely. So, Travis, when we talked about the, um, the role of water stewardship, um, obviously there's a very strong link to communities and consumers. And companies have an opportunity to really drive a water stewardship strategy that mitigates three corporate risks, physical, regulatory, and reputational risks. And the reputational risk, I think, hits right at the heart of the, you know, the consumer and the what we refer to as the Ecolab watermark study that was released last year. So part of this was that the, the, the underlying point of the study was that industry has a role to play in developing, you know, climate and water solutions that protect our communities and, and that we continue to fuel, you know, what we want the consumer sentiment to be that we're doing, they're taking the right steps, right, to drive actions on what they really care about with a focus on water and consumer perceptions, uh, you know, we, we, through the Watermark study, provided unique insights on where and, and how stakeholders, you know, think about businesses and government, and, and this is important. And so with that in mind, we saw some trends that really build awareness uh, around the challenges that consumers see that, that, that businesses have a role in. And so the global consumer research, by the way, examined the state of water stewardship through the importance of water, usage, connection to climate, and responsibility, which you know, we've been talking about, among key consumer populations around the world. Um, 
you know, we, we did thousands of interviews uh, across, you know, eight or nine different markets around the world, uh, Asia Pacific, China, Europe, uh, Latin America, the Middle East and Africa, and of course the U.S. And here's, here's some of the key findings that we had uh, from really three. Um, access to clean and safe water was paramount concern for consumers in every region including the United States. I mean, I know that we often talk about water being a challenge in some far off places, but you know, we saw some significant numbers around consumers being focused around access to clean and safe water in the US. I think the numbers were 81% that we surveyed felt that way. Uh, I think Latin America was like 92%. Um, second key point we heard was consumers hold government and businesses most responsible for driving water conservation. You know, so this is really important, I think. And the third was consumers believe that industry really don't have a clear plan to address water scarcity, despite the perceived importance it has, um, you know, to the business. The, cons the concern is that they, they really saw the fact that companies were setting these bold, ambitious goals, but really didn't have a plan year in, year out to keep them on that glide path. This is really important because, you know, in many ways, we're seeing a buying motives change for consumers, right? Um, you know, many people would arguably say that, you know, they may not necessarily step up their pocketbook, their wallet, to really supporting more sustainably minded decisions, but we're seeing that start to shift where influences on consumer purchases being more linked to climate, water, recyclability of products or services that they use. So I think there's an opportunity here for the private sector to really lean in on this, to invest and develop products and technologies that address the benefits consumers are looking for. And I really feel like whether you're, you know, an EV maker, you know, electric vehicle maker, uh, a beverage company, a cloud provider when it comes to the, you know, our, the use of the cloud, that they have an opportunity to really drive more action and, and really to, to share a response that shows how they're accountable in helping consumers really understand that they're adopting environmentally friendly behaviors According to the study that we, we did with the Watermark study, consumers were willing to stop purchasing products that require a significant amount of water to produce their products, as well as pay more for goods that are made using sustainable business practices. You know, this was seen at a high level in the survey, like in the Middle East, uh, China, Latin America. And so despite the known challenges, consumers remain optimistic but there's, a, there's an opportunity here, there's a window here for us in the private sector to really understand that one of the voices we need to listen to among the stakeholders is not just industry, NGOs and government, but also consumers, because they're really looking for immediate action from all of us. Yeah, I'm, I often learn of sustainable initiatives that that companies have or that has been in a product or a service um, 
as I do research or all the different reading that I do. Um, and I feel, I feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities for companies to message. Right. Um, you know, I don't see, I don't see the type and extent of storytelling around some of that sustainability stuff that I think that there could be a lot of times. Uh, right. I'm like, wow, that, this company's actually doing this thing. I never heard of this. Um, I'm not discovering it as a regular consumer. I'm discovering it as an environmental professional, you know? And, and Travis, can I, can I just add, that's such an important yeah, of point. Course. I think it's important to, to not only be able to communicate and, and, and disclose, but to have the rigor around the data and the insights that really kind of year in, year out, I keep beating that drum, as you can tell, uh, year in and year out shows the progress and the performance that we're making. And I will say this, it's in some years, you, we may not always be achieving our annual target along our glide path. That's okay. As long as we're demonstrating that we're taking action and that sure. whether it's, uh, the pandemic, whether it's, uh, you know, more significant water stress conditions and, you know, whatever it is that may prevent us from achieving the goal that we're still demonstrating and communicating and disclosing our performance along the way. Yeah. Well, I want to dig into specific solutions a little bit and into that action front uh, and ask you about some examples that there are of corporate initiatives around the U.S. What's, what's happening uh, amongst the industry? to to kind of push water stewardship and sustainability. I know that there's some some efforts, right? Not just by a specific company, but by a, a cooperative of companies. What's what's going on? This is a really really important area for us, for all of us in the world, because no one individual, no one company can can solve the water crisis or the climate crisis alone. We need partnerships. An example of a partnership that Ecolab has been involved in is the Water Resilience Coalition. Uh, you know, Ecolab was a founding member of the Water Resilience Coalition that was actually launched in 2020. At the, it was founded in 2020, literally at the beginning of the pandemic, and which was challenging, but but so thankful that it that it, it took flight. It's an industry-driven, CEO-led coalition uh, housed in the UN Global Compact CEO Water Mandate. Um, that aims to elevate the global water crisis to the top of the corporate agenda and really preserve the world's fresh water resources through collective action in water stress basins. Now, what's, what's so important about this and what our audience needs to understand is that we obviously, in, in many ways, have made the point today that the climate crisis is also about a, a water crisis, right? And that through the work that we've done through the Water Resilience Coalition through three years, which, by the way, has moved from seven companies to 37 companies um, with a market cap of over $4.5 is important. And the reason it's important is that 150 of the largest water users, companies, and their supply chains can collectively influence a third of the planet, planet's fresh water use. That's amazing. And in many ways, in March of this of 2023, the UN had its first 
water conference in nearly 50 years. Just going back to the point about, you know, we we ha- we host a whole host of, of of climate conferences throughout a year, but this is the first UN-led water conference in New York City in over 50 years. It was an amazing event, and it really kicked off the importance that we have to play to the water crisis. In fact, during that UN water conference in March, there was an open call to water action that was announced by the UN. And and that was really around the need for public and private action focused on 100 priority basins, which have been identified, impacting 3 billion people living in water stress conditions. And so the Water Resilience Coalition has a active role in really defining kind of the strategy that companies should be partaking in in those water stress spaces. And it's around a a net water positive pledge. And that is going back to our point about, it's simply put, it's being able to contribute more to the watershed than we take from it. And that involves reducing demand through our you know, solutions like we talked about at Vail, but also increasing supply where we operate by, by collaborating and driving collective action through, um, you know, working with other partners on nature-based solutions that will provide water restoration benefits from a reforestation project or other projects that we're working on. Now, speaking of which, I can't think of a better example, Travis, than California. So California is is probably near the top of those 100 priority basins. Number one, it's in, you know, we all know econ- economically it's a powerhouse. It's the number one economy in the U.S., I think number five globally. And, and so the governor, Governor Newsom, in 2022 announced a water supply strategy plan because what the science was telling us in his office that there was going to be a 10% water supply deficit by 2040. So basically, given the effects of climate change, no more can we rely on the puts and takes in, in California to really balance the supply and demand equation that we had there in a you know water stressed area. And so in 2023, Thanks to the Water Resilience Coalition, we launched the California Water Resilience Initiative. And that is an effort to unlock the water conservation potential from the private sector, working in the number one economy in the U.S. most populous state. It was organized uh, by the World Environment Center, uh, the Water Resilience Coalition, and the Pacific Institute, a think tank out out of California. And it was supported by Ecolab. Ecolab is the basin champion for California. That's one of the things that the Water Resilience Coalition did is they identified a company and a CEO, Christoph Beck, uh, for Ecolab as a basin champion to really drive the actions that we needed to see. So it brought together in October at a forum in Sacramento with the Water Control Board for the state together with industry and state leaders to really engage on insightful discussions, really, to share, you know, how we can get after this this 
supply deficit by working on innovative strategies to the water challenges in the state. Re, you know, reduce, reuse, replenish are all part of the strategies that we want to participate in, but it involves really aligning with the public policy and advocacy, but also the role that the private sector can play in the state of California to shore up that gap. I, I like that idea of a basin champion. It's almost like the adopt a highway, right? You see yeah. that the this local restaurant has taken this stretch of highway. It's a it's accountability that way. You have to you have to if nobody's in charge, then nobody's in charge. Somebody has to to own a piece, right? And then there's that accountability. So that that makes a lot of sense. Um, speaking of accountability, I'll, I'll push mine here a little bit too. Can you give some examples of like specific projects on the ground kind of stuff that have come out of, of corporate water stewardship in the U S, uh, via Ecolab or some of these other kind sure. of parts of the, the coalition that you've mentioned? So an example, and I use Ecolab, uh, we have two facilities in Southern California and we actually highlighted this in our. Uh, California Water Resilience Initiative in October. Um, an example, we have these two facilities just outside of LA. They have a dependency on water. So the water source is really the state water project that comes from the Sierra Mountains uh, and Lake Mead, which obviously is the state of California. We have to engineer water into the state because we don't have much of it available, especially when it comes to surface water and try to minimize the amount of groundwater. So Lake Mead obviously is being sourced by the Colorado River Basin, which as we all know, has been water stressed for years. And so part of our strategy to adopt a water stewardship mindset is that we, first of all, there's an organization called the Alliance for Water Stewardship. Ecolab's a founding member of it. It is a standard and a certification that was developed uh, and launched back in 2014. and is focused on developing the equitable environmental and social practices that we need around water stewardship that we talked about today. So we have those two sites, AWS, Alliance for Water Stewardship Certified. The second thing is being able to develop a net positive water impact strategy means we have to reduce demand. So one of the things that we did over the last three and a half years is we implemented water management practices, smart water management practices, to reduce demand up to 4.3 million gallons annualized of water needed in our sites to make the products that we use in the state. The third is engaging with NGOs and other community partners to really drive, um, you know, what I call increased supply in a water stressed area like Southern California, where we were focused on working on a project with Bonneville Environmental Federation, which is really focused on projects to drive action around nature-based solutions. One of them was with the Lower Colorado River Indian Tribe. Uh, we refer to it as CRIT, Colorado River Indian Tribe Project. And that project aimed to help the tribe with modernizing their irrigation practices of the food they needed, obviously, to support the irrigation of the food that they needed for their tribes. And so this is a great example of where organizations like Ecolab, Intel, Microsoft, and others 
the Walmart Foundation. We're focused on really funding and supporting these projects that would contribute volumetric water benefits. So for Ecolab, we were able to account for and certify and validate 19 million gallons of water replenishment to Lake Mead by supporting the lower Indian tribe with the water management practices and technology like you know soil moisture testing and the ability to do drip irrigation. And those are the kind of things not only have a environmental and water stewardship benefit, but a social economic benefit, right? So it's helping the lower tribe with their awareness and education, but also the ability to support the economic activity needed in the uh, tribes that they were uh, supporting with food that they needed. So to me, this is a great example when you talked about and where we started with the, the role that water stewardship has on corporate responsibility for an organization, in this case, to drive net positive water impact. Seems like as as this conversation has shown, there's a lot of momentum that has kind of uh, developed over the past four years or so, right? Past three or four years, really a lot of different initiatives and on the ground action that's starting to take place. Um, I'm really curious about what's what's next. You know, how does that? How can that momentum be further increased? Uh, what's what's maybe on the horizon? So I really feel kind of my thoughts here, Travis, around our conversation, and you know, as we as we come to a close, I really think about some of the things that we talked about, and what's next, and um, on the on the water stewardship front, and I do think. Water stewardship has a key role to propel corporate responsibility and sustainability for the private sector. I think this point about actions speak louder than words. I think the, the importance of the, the consumer sentiment study that we talked about called the Ecolab Watermark Study, building trust with stakeholders takes time and continuous, and continuous effort, right, and resources to get done. So I really feel that that's one of the things as I look ahead on what's next on the horizon is an increase in the role that, that consumers will play in the work that the private sector is doing. The second is, it's gotta be focused on impact and not just optics. It starts with having the right baseline, an achievable goal, right? We talked about that, a roadmap, and being able to measure our progress. When we take those four steps, baseline, achievable goal, roadmap, and, 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 and measuring our progress, that's usually a, a, a recipe for, for a, you know, winning and success. And to ensure that our actions deliver genuine, mentioned authentic, environmental benefits that leads to business success. I think this last point about, you know, we're seeing us move from, you know, what I call a, a voluntary to more regulated reporting when it comes to ESG. I think transparency and accountability are critical. And being open and, and about your challenges and progress that allows us to be, again, genuine, but also demonstrate a commitment to continuous improvement. I think that by taking these actions, business leaders can go beyond just mere promises or demonstrate, you know, what I call more genuine commitments to addressing environmental concerns, because uh, this will not only reassure stakeholders, but also position the company for success 
as the world increases increasingly focuses on sustainability more and more every day. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to tracking uh, some of that progress and and again the on the ground tangible actions because that's that's where that's where the change occurs. So uh, and in my over 200 episodes of this podcast, I have not had a real full unpacking of kind of corporate water sustainability and stewardship, which is amazing. Uh, so I'm grateful for you coming on, Emilio, and kind of uh, having that conversation with me. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us, Travis. Uh, it was a great discussion. Waterloo. Thank you for listening to the podcast. To find all episodes, sign up for email updates, and connect on social media, visit waterloop.org. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop.